Hello everyone, welcome to episode 12 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown. I'm actually not in this episode. This is a, a discussion between Samuel K. and Scott Paul. They are going to be talking about um, momentum. They're also like, the, well, this is actually really an interesting episode. So this was Sam's brainchild. He wanted to talk about momentum and kind of how to like conceptualize and think about the gaining and losing of momentum in a Shatterpoint match. And Scott was a sounding board for for their discussion. It was really good. They talk about they talk a lot about obviously momentum and they use Anakin to highlight how momentum works and how momentum can be used to your advantage, how to think about um I guess scoring momentum versus um the the struggle token. Very, it was really good. And then they actually they kind of sidebarred into this discussion about um struggle one and winning struggle one versus two and three because there seems to be a lot of anecdotal evidence that the winner of struggle one um tends to win the other games now there's just kind of like the statistical way to think about it where it's like if you win struggle one um and assuming you have a 50 percent chance to win struggles two and then win struggle three you're gonna have 75 percent chance to win you know the match now that's not quite how it works because you're disadvantaged in struggle two but you should be ideally advantaged in struggle three but obviously that's something that the players are kind of thinking about and like positioning around if you know you're going to win struggle two you lost struggle one and but you're going to win struggle two decisively you're already preparing planning shifting your movement around to um obviously win for struggle three but so is the other player right like if you win struggle one you know you're going to hardcore lose struggle two you are also positioning for struggle three so there's a lot going on with this we're actually going to be recording an episode on this and it's going to be awesome but obviously they they talk they talk about that here and it's just it's really good you're you're going to really enjoy it i learned a ton from it okay so for news so first off the big thing and i hate to kind of do this chronologically out of order but i want to just put this on your brain so lvo is coming up in january of 2024 for those of you who are going to lvo what we're trying to do first off you need to, you're going to need to buy a convention ticket and there's going to be an event, a Shatterpoint event. It's called an After Hours event. And what we're hoping to do is make it a little bit more formal in terms of a tournament structure. But the limiting factor has been, we've talked about this before, has been terrain. And also one thing that Will Lewis brought up on the Slack was that we also need to have playmats. Um, and I don't know if Frontline Gaming might be able to supply playmats. I'm not positive that you're going to need to be able to supply um, a playmat. And that might be something that Frontline has, but they don't have terrain. So I have created a Google Doc on the Slack for you to sign up if you're going to LVO or if you can donate, lend your, um, yeah, lend your terrain um, in our, um, for the use of the tournament. It needs to be painted. Um, if you could let us know on the Google Doc, that would be extremely helpful right now. Um, we, we haven't really been doing a lot to promote it or talk about it but we've only got a few signups so far and i'm hoping that we can get around 10 terrain sets that we can set up because that's going to increase the cap of players that we can have so if you're in utah or anywhere around anywhere and planning to go to lvo let me know um, if you can bring terrain so that we can account for that um, in our in our list the other thing is is that if you're going for to lvo you're not planning to play shatterpoint like you're going to go play mcp or x-wing or whatever if you could still let me know whether or not, I mean, we would love to do whatever it takes in order to accommodate you to get your terrain, borrow your terrain for the tournament, that'd be awesome. Okay, so there's that. 
the other thing is just a reminder, Black Dragon Games in Idaho is going to be having that tournament on September 16th, so that's going to be coming up. Uh, just want to remind everybody about that. Demolition Games in Salt Lake City is looking to be hosting a tournament soon. I went to go pick up my Cad Bane and Padme stuff, and which did not arrive. I was a little frustrated by that, <laughs> but um, I saw they had their initiation event. If you've already got the promos for the initiation event, I think we can still, we should still um, encourage them to have the event. And players who don't have the promos can be the ones to show up and get them. Um, I mean, we obviously we can all show up to play, but only those without the promos can plan on getting them so we can get those uh, distributed. We're, we're figuring out what the date for that is going to be. Um, I don't think there's any other news. Our last episode, so we had an episode on Vader Grievous and where we talked about where we think Vader Grievous is kind of an impressively strong list. It was really interesting. We got some good pushback on the Slack and and elsewhere um, about that. I think that the response was, you know, Vader Grievous has counterplay. Um, I mean, there was a, there were a lot of points. Like the game is still extremely young. It's hard to know whether or not what is the strongest like meta defining list. I think those were all excellent and very fair points. I think our point when with the discussion was that in our play group and we've we have played. I mean we've got several players who have been playing a lot of games with Vader Grievous. I've played a few games with Vader Grievous, just trying to figure out figure it out. And what we have found in playing, you know, lots of games with very good players is that the list seems to be just very strong and not have any bad matchups, right? Like, the the Seps are also a very strong list that don't seem to have very many bad matchups, but, like, I, I mean, it might have a bad matchup in Vader Grievous, right? The Republic doesn't really seem to have any good good matchups and lots of bad matchups. Now, that's really hard to know right now because... Um, in terms of whether or not we can be determinative, because we just don't have, the game is not old enough, we don't have enough figures, we we really, I mean, we've got anecdotal evidence, um, personally, you know, we're playing dozens and dozens of games, but obviously that's not, I mean, that's not statistically significant. We do have long shanks, which I think is kind of lending credence to what we're, what we're talking about. But we just don't know, and that's totally fine. Like, that's that's kind of awesome that we, we, we don't really know. We have seen um, when this Vader Grievous list has been played that it has done really well, but obviously I would love it to be the case that it wasn't amazing, you know, that it wasn't this oppressively strong list. I think it's just running all, you know, there's this thing, um, we, we some of us also play Marvel Snap, or it's not just Marvel Snap, this is in all card games. There's just kind of like a good stuff list. You just run all the best cards and like you see how that does. Um, in that kind of sense, like the floor, um, again, like over which, or the hurdle, I guess you can say, that all other lists must clear, and if they can't clear, then they just lose, um, or they're heavily disadvantaged. And Vader Grievous is running Vader, who I think is one of the best primaries in the game, if not the best primary right now. Um, and I know, obviously, that's also a point of contention, which is fine, but he does a lot. Grievous, similar, incredible, incredible primary. Django, who is an incredible secondary. Obi-2, who is an incredible control piece. Magna Guards, who are the best supporting unit in the game. Um, and then, you know, you got your flex supporting unit with either Fifth Brother, Super Commandos, B2s. It doesn't, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that could fill that. That's just a good stuff list, right? And you would expect a good stuff list to do well. In addition, like, it's playing up on the melee advantage and it's durable high spike damage heavy offensive power so it's just got a lot going on and we should plan that, that like it, sh it would make sense that that would do well um right now but we'll see 
we'll see how things work out. It's really fun to have like pushback and, and to talk about it. I will say, so I have been playing Ahsoka Dooku and I've been running it. I'm wanting to run it into Vader Grievous and Scott and I played a game and I was able to beat him. Um, and actually in two struggles, I just knew exactly what I wanted Ahsoka Dooku to do in terms of um, shutting down shutting down their ability to take points through wounding which i mean obviously sounds obvious but that's what ahsoka dooku is doing i only wounded i think i might have only wounded one of his figures i may be wounded too whereas he you know he was wounding a ton but you've got ahsoka and dooku who are kind of doing their thing actually i did wound too because i wounded um i think i wounded his magna guards and then at the very end of the game i wounded his grievous um so obviously there is counterplay and and, and things to you know, things that we can do in order to address what we think are the really strong points of Vader Grievous, but I, I, I still think it's just an incredible list. So, so thanks for pushback. Thanks for giving us feedback. We will keep testing and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's nothing else um, I think to talk about before we get into the episode. So I'm, we're just going to head into it. I will say that I'm going to be make one more comment on the postscript. Otherwise I will see you on the other side. Thanks so much. All right, so uh, welcome to this episode of Zion's Finest. I'm here with Scott today. This is Sam. Hello, hello. It's a very special episode today because you don't have to listen to Kenny's voice for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I assume that by the time you hear our voices, you've probably heard uh, all the Kenny's intro, so you probably get some Kenny, but not, not Kenny the entire time. You, you can't get a, you can't escape it you can't escape yeah. the journey yeah um but uh we uh for today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh the struggle tracker scoring points in uh, a shadow form but before we jump into our main topic you've been able to get any games in with any of the uh new units scott well no so uh i played a, a few games um just this last uh just earlier this week um with um jk kenny matt and uh i did get to try out i i got to play against some of the new units um and jk was running talzin savage like pretty straightforward uh night sisters list and matt was running arf troopers with mace and i just ran vader grievous because that that's just what i'm doing that's yeah. that's just where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, Vader Grievous is incredible. It's just just so much damage. I I haven't played. I've played. Mm-hmm. I haven't played with Talzin or Mace either. I've gotten in a game against Talzin, and uh, I got Padme a, ga- a Padme game in on TTS. Interesting. And, uh, um, by the time this comes out, I think Padme and Cadbane will actually have released physically. And uh, I I thought Padme was pretty good. She has uh, she's just able to move so many people around the board with her uh, royal what's it called like royal decree, royal just command, royal command. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I was I was impressed by her with that. She is squishy, um, but uh, like she'll just get. She will get one shot by most things in that Vader Grievous list, so uh, gotta stick some handmaids by her to keep her alive or an Obi two. But uh, I was I was impressed by her. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we were actually discussing this because you're definitely uh, pretty positive towards Padme where some of the other people, I'm sort of undecided. I'm like, let's see how it actually plays out. But I think some people are skeptical that Padme will be able to make up for a lot of the deficiencies of the Galactic Republic. Um, yeah. But we'll see. It, it, you never know. One of the things I talk about, like, you know, because we're talking about, like, hey, Vader Grievous is, is pretty stupendous, just, like, mm-hmm. really, really strong. But do you go and do nerf uh, or buff other things? Or it's, like, not right now just because, you know, they're releasing enough things that sometimes just having more figures in the game, giving more options is enough of a uh, mitigating factor that you don't need yeah. to make those those changes. So we'll see how, like, Padme will interact with the rest of the of the loadout. What, what I think the Padme box does is just gives you so much movement. Like, Sabe might be... She's kind of like a Kalani in many ways, or because she, on her... She, she has an active ability... Her tactics ability moves everyone, and then moves all your handmaids. I'm sorry. So, like, you're getting three just free dashes, um, and then she can climb with her ability, and then Padme's moving other people. Like, it really just gives you a lot more movement than I think um, Galactic Republic lists have had to work with in the past. Um, right, but but I would say <clears throat> movement has not been their issue. Yeah, that's like, fair. I mean... Their, their issue in my mind, and we'll kind of talk about this, we talk about Anakin when we get to our unit highlighting um, segment, is uh, they, they don't have a great force economy. Oh. Uh, they don't have super high damage, except for, like, two figures. Yep. Um, and they're super squishy. Like, yeah. I mean, this was kind of my experience. I played against, me and Matt, we, we did a Vader Grievous, um, so I had Vader, Obi-2, Magna Guards, Grievous, Django, Fifth Brother, and he had Mace, Pawns, Arf Troopers, and then, I'm trying to remember who else, oh, uh, Obi-1, uh, the the OG version, um, yeah. uh, Clone Commandos, and Rex. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And basically, I mean, as Matt will say, he misplayed this. He kind of, he drew Mace first in the uh, in his Shatterpoint deck, and he's like, I think I need to reserve him, which I think is the general consensus of like, yeah, if you've got a big, if you're like going out, you know, and you don't really have a target for your big hitter, you generally reserve them. Uh, he feels he shouldn't have done that. He thinks having Mace out front and center early is is important. Um, but yeah, he yeah. like. You know, he moved up his ARF troopers. He took a point. <clears throat> you know, he's moving people up. And Vader Grievous just did what Vader Grievous does. I ran up, killed them, took the points from him. And at one point, this is something that happened both in this game and my next game against Kenny, um, where he played Dooku Ahsoka um, into Vader Grievous, is when you've got OB2 and you've got Magna Guards, they come in and they attack OB2. Or they attack the Magna Guards. You say, no, uh, I'm going to OB2. And they go, okay, I'll attack OB2 OB then. It's like, no, you won't, because the Magna Guards are engaged with you. So tough, you know, and you just completely deprive them. Um, and so yeah. really, you know, I, I won both struggles before Mace even really did anything. 
Um, and so it was just like the figures just melted and they couldn't put out enough damage to really push things the other way. They didn't have some of the shenanigans. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Obi-2 can be brought, like, you know, Galactic Republic, no issue. Um, and so that's a little bit. But I feel like the Galactic Republic rewards you for having everything with keywords. But if you have everything with keywords, you're taking stuff that's just undertuned. Yeah. So what I actually played with Padme, going to your point, I, I took Obi-2. I took Maul to help with Force. Yeah. And the Padme box. And then I took the, the 212. Um, to for that that keyword synergy, um, because handmaid handmaids have that same ob two magna guard thing going on, because they also have intercede. Yeah, which uh, really helps. And coordinated fire disarm is interesting, because uh, that just really keeps your people alive. But uh, and I played against the the Dooku Ahsoka list. I am worried about the Padme boxes matchup against the Vader list. Like you just really have to. Make sure your your handmade and OB two package is positioned right. Yeah, yeah. So, which is not super hard to do with the way the missions um, run out. I think that's also yeah. the one of the the criticisms of like the Galactic Republic in a lot of boxes is, hey, like if everybody needs to be close enough to each other to benefit from these synergies you lack flexibility and objectives, which I think is a, a totally fair point. Yeah. But when you're only competing for three objectives and struggle two and three, I think that is resolved a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there's definitely some interesting things. I'm excited to see how they play out. Um, we'll we'll t- jump into Padme and CAD more later, but let's, let's dive into our unit highlight. Let's talk about Anakin. Well, more Anakin and more Galactic Yeah. Um, he is one of my favorite characters to play. Um, I think he's more or less one of the most... He is both a known com- commodity and one of the most mystifying characters out right now. I don't know if you feel the same way, Scott, but it feels like he feels like he, we know exactly what he does, but he still feels like there's so much room to explore where he can actually go in a list. I, so I don't think... I don't think I agree with that in the sense no. of... well. I don't necessarily disagree with it, and I think there's definitely exploration to be done. I think that Anakin is an example of um, a bad figure, but not bad because they don't do... So, like, let's compare this, right? So, like, Anakin is a great figure on paper in the sense that he does... If 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 we put it down to single target damage, like hey, you need to you need to wound a thing. There is nobody in the game better than Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. However, that is actually, in my opinion, his downfall because he's so specifically tuned to wounding someone that I think he lacks flexibility and mm-hmm. he doesn't support his lists. It kind of feels like he is a a gun that you bring, um, but it doesn't match everything else you're bringing. He's just sort of like, well, he's over here doing his own thing. Like, you can bring stuff to support him, but I'm going to compare him directly to Darth Vader, right? Yeah. A little bit, I mean, still, huge single target damage, 
right? Yep. But like, let's think about what Vader does, right? They both have the ability to they have deflect and repost, which are different, but also melee is more common right now than uh, range. So repost is is more flexible. Um, yep. Uh, Anakin has a force jump where Vader doesn't, but also Vader has uh, an advance uh, yep. for a force, which adds to automatic damage which is huge, right? Um, he doesn't have, I'm going to end this, but oftentimes, how often does he really need it? But yeah. the, the one ability that makes a huge difference that between Anakin being a, in my opinion, not great figure versus being an amazing figure is let the hate flow through you, right? Like uh, the ability to give every melee figure in your list three extra dice. Like Vader... Honestly, Vader is a support unit in some ways. Yes. Like, he can do the job, but you don't bring him because, oh, I really need single target damage. You bring him because he makes everything in your list way stronger. Yeah. Um, so if Anakin had an ability where it was like, hey, um, at the start of Anakin's activation, every clone gets to dash, or um, like, clones can take uh, and expose to add three dice. Like if you give them something similar to Darth Vader, where it's like he's yeah. a general, he is able to to give these things, then he becomes a really powerful, strong figure. And you could tune down his damage, and he'd still even be he'd just be better because he has this flexibility. Now, to be fair, I haven't um, played a ton with Anakin. I've played three or four games with him, and I've only played a couple games where I was playing against him. But I just I and, and so obviously you're gonna have the counterpoint here of why you think he's great. Um, yeah. I just I, I struggle to think of just sort of like yeah he'll go and he'll, he'll do a thing, but um that that's not gonna make a ton of difference. I, I guess speaking Galactic Republic, I've always run him in Galactic Republic, and so I mm -hmm. will caveat my comments with he was in a subpar list, yep. and so. Maybe if he had better companions, I would feel differently. But I also just think, like, I would never replace, like, my Vader or Grievous with Anakin. Yeah. In, so, in, in Vader Grievous. I love playing him with Count Dooku. Like, that is honestly my favorite spot to put him. I put him in a, in a Dooku list. Not a lot of necessarily Galactic Republic support. Just Separatists or Mandos with 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 uh, Anakin, mostly s s separatists is what I've been doing. Putting some B ones, putting putting Kraken, have Django Magnus with with Dooku. Um, I the main thing that I love about and he has the force in that list to do his stuff about Anakin is his identity is impactful in a totally different way where it skews the math of the the struggle. Um, being able to move the um the sh your struggle token an extra spot is um oftentimes i've found like the make or break point between losing a game not even necessarily that turn between winning or losing a game but just that extra spot has ramifications for like an entire struggle right you know and I mean, that's so, a great point yeah that the his extra scoring ability is why I like Anakin the most. 
Um, and that that's where, and I think you're right, in Galactic Republicless, he really feels out of place, which is why I say, like, I feel like he's a strong character that really has some experimentation to go with. Because um, I agree with a lot of the things that, that you said in the context of a Galactic Republic list. Like, he feels bad in those lists. Um, yeah, but I can but, see, to your point, why with Dooku, he doesn't feel as bad. If he's able to get that force, you know, and he, and he has some of the support that he needs. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I um, think the struggle tracker piece is, is an important part as well. Yeah. Which which brings us into our main talk. We wanted to talk about the, the struggle tracker and kind of help. And uh, recently I've started to reframe the way I think about scoring in Shatterpoint. Um, so, like, I think this, it's scoring in terms of a turn cycle. So, like, a turn cycle is your turn, my turn. And um, my total score for a cycle is the net what happens after that. And the status quo is always zero. Right. That like I'll always end up with zero points of status quo holds, and the goal is how how do I break that by not only controlling objectives on my turn, but how do I stop my opponent from taking objectives on their turn? The, the it's changed the way I think about how scoring works. Because before when I started starting playing this game, I thought about scoring just on my turn, but then I realized there's a lot of things I can do during my opponent's turn to help to, to score points essentially. Like there's uh, and there's different tactics that you can set up to keep them from scoring. Um, and then also I've started to think about, we've, all, we've talked a lot about how like first player has a disadvantage, but I've reframed it in my mind as a different concept of first scorer advantage. Mm-hmm. That like the first scorer always has the advantage of they are the one who just scoring first can allow you to um, I don't want to use the word momentum, but I'm trying to think of another word that gives them the initiative kind of in t- yeah well can i can I ask a question for it based yeah. on I want to define what we mean by first scorer yeah when you say first scorer, do you mean the first person to be able to score right the second player or the first person to get a net plus one from the scoring cycle from the turn cycle so what I mean is the first person to be able to score, however, to talking about your net plus one, I think the first score advantage can change. Right. So, like, if you ever end your turn and it's on zero, the other player has first scorer advantage because they've essentially right. reset the game to or the, the struggle to the beginning of that phase. And so first scorer advantage is just the fact that, like, there comes a point in the game where even if everything ends up at at parity, if all the momentum has been filled up on your struggle tracker, whoever is first scorer will win the game. Right. That that's kind of what I'm thinking of as first scorer advantage instead of breaking the parity for the the single step. Like the first person yeah, plus to, one. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to think about. Because I'm I'm thinking about like first player versus second player and you know, first score versus second score. And like I I think first player versus second player 
Like if I think of first scoring advantage, I think of it as the first person who breaks the net like uh, zero barrier. Because so many of struggle ones, at least in a competitive game, I think, so many of the first struggles is, hey, uh, you scored three points and then I scored three points because I took back that point and then you took a point and then we trade back and forth. And then the winner of the struggle is generally who can push that back in there, like who can break that barrier and start gaining points on their opponent rather than just trading. Um, and whether you're first player or not, I think some lists really want to go second. Like Vader Grievous really wants to go second. They want to have a target to come and kill. Yeah. Versus like if you have a, a bunch of like Mandos who can go claim two points you know, kind of some strange, or, you know, if you're claiming three points, even if you're not scoring them, you're putting your opponent on the back foot. So they might score first, but then you're going to score plus one over them, right? So if uh, if I go first and I claim three points, right? Like, let's say we're doing the cross. I claim the yeah. point in my native area and I claim either the middle and the left or right or the left and right. Yeah. So my opponent can either try and compete to like take a point away from me, which is difficult, right? They're only going to have one figure to bring and they're probably not going to be wounding unless they're doing like a primary or secondary character that packs punch, in which case uh, they'll probably only score one point, right? Or they might score two points, but they're giving me three. So then on my next turn, I'm guaranteed to have a plus one advantage. So in my mind, even though they scored first, I actually have first scorer advantage. And so I think it depends on your list and what like its strengths are uh, to determine like whether or not first or second player has an advantage. No, I, I think that's a really excellent point there, especially when you think about it. Like there, when you think about scoring in terms of like a full turn cycle, if you're just going to zero every time, nobody's actually scored. Exactly. So like, yeah, so in order to score, you must break break that parity. And as soon as you have that one extra step, um, sh- in Shatterpoint, it's really hard to catch back up. Like, they have these catch-up mechanics, but it's pretty difficult to actually pull it back. You know, you're you're playing against that Vader Grievous list, and, like, as soon as they get up one step on you, you're like, oh, boy, now I need to, like, not only do you need to get up one on them, you need to get up, like, two in order to actually score a point on your side. Absolutely. We need to have Matt on here to talk about his game with JK. um, Because he kind of, after our game, he played his second game very differently, where he kind of had people hang back um, and play a more ranged attack game. Yeah. Uh, And he ended up winning the first struggle, you know, by like seeding a points advantage, but refusing to give his opponent targets. Mm. Um. And an interesting thing that happens, because in, in my game with Kenny, where he's running Dooku Ahsoka versus Great Vader Grievous, which is a great Vader Grievous counter. I did win the game, but it was probably the closest Shatterpoint game I've ever played. Yeah. Um, but um, kind of the, the interesting uh, thing that happens is uh, if your opponent gets that scoring advantage at the beginning and kind of puts the dial on, you know, puts the struggle marker on their side but then you go back to a net zero parity you start gaining momentum tokens and they don't so i never had the struggle marker on my side but i filled my momentum entirely 
partially because I kill a lot of things as Vader Grievous, but also mm-hmm. just because like we're trading points, but it's always on his side. So I only had to get one point basically on my side and to win, um, which I was able to pull off because I think the attrition just worked out for me. Um, but it is an interesting strategy. I think it's a risky strategy um, yeah. for sure. But um, I, I think not that kind of sounded like a, a counterpoint to your point about it's hard to come back, which I want to point out. You're absolutely right. It is hard to come back. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you can pull it off if you have the right list and gumption and, you know, have to do it. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely possible. And I think a lot of the coming back is kind of going into it. Another point I want to talk about is disrupting your opponent's scoring during their turn. A lot of the lists that I think are good at coming back are ones that are good at denying your opponents from scoring. So one one of the things that like OB2 is a great model at denying opponents from scoring points because you yeah. just essentially on your turn, you're trying to move your models in some way to manipulate the struggle tracker. And most of the time that's through attacks. And unless you're one of the few characters that can displace models without attacks, OB2 can just shut down your opponent's ability to score and that really can swing the those extra you know two points you need to shift it back to your side or characters like vader also if you wound him um say if they need to get vader off the point and they have to wound him or something to do it then he can smack them back and if he wounds them again yep maul um that Uh, these characters that can stop your opponents from scoring are kind of some of the ways to catch up yeah, I, I think people are probably sick of me harping on Vader Grievous by now, but I will point out that three of the best figures at doing exactly what you're talking about, disrupting during your opponent's turn, are in the Vader Grievous list. It's Vader, Obi-2, and Jango Fett. Because Jango yep. Fett can activate at the start of their activation. Actually, that happened in my game against Kenny. He activated a fifth brother, Jango shot him, and then he was wounded and didn't get to take a turn. Yeah. And it's brutal because you also the Django player also scores momentum from it, like yeah, and recovers if if it's a secondary primary they recover force and health. Um, yeah, fifth brother is supporting, so I didn't get to. But hypothetically, right? Like, and I think if you're a player and you see Ob two on the field, the unfortunate thing is that you think, well, I sh- I can't attack when he's around. It's a waste. Um, and the, 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 the sort of counterintuitive truth is no, you actually kind of need to purposely trigger it because you need to deplete their force. Um, if, cause you know, if, if, if you've got Django and Grievous earning the force back, then it doesn't matter. But if you can kind of survive them and, and deprive your opponent of their force refreshes, or if you have a list where it's really hard to do that, like Dooku Ahsoka, um, then you using up all those mind tricks and using up all that force really deprives them of a lot of resources. So sometimes you just kind of have to steer into the skid with that in order to to really make the game work. Yeah, no, I think that's some some really good points. Um, I think, you know, kind of talking more about Obi-2, who I think more and more have played with him and against him, the more incredible I think he is. Um, I was... The I told you I played the the the, lit, the Padme list with him, and um, 
the the game was won because of a Dooku attacking into handmaidens and Obi Two spending three force because he was wounded to stop the attack. And you know that's that's half my force in this list. Yeah. Um. And so that's a major tax on my economy. But he, there was a couple of opportunities before that to like attack my handmaidens that weren't taken. Um because they were scared of Obi-2, so they targeted Obi-2 instead. Yeah. And I and that's who I wanted them to target anyways, because I needed the handmaidens alive with these ranged Absolutely. attacks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh so, you know, there's some interesting like targeting things going on there with like who you go after is really important and Obi-2 does just such a good job of disrupting. Um in that particular list, because I knew Obi Obi-2 was such a force tax, Maul was the idea was that Maul was going to be my Shatterpoint target because everyone else needs Force to do their thing besides Maul. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I think Maul represents an interesting, you know, thing there. I think also, to your point about, like, controlling those things, Ahsoka is Mm -hmm. fantastic. One of the things, and this is true of most skirmish games, war games, board games, is if you can give your opponent a choice between two bad things, that is that is your bread and butter. That is the ideal for your gameplay. And I think figures like Obi-2 and Ahsoka especially do that. Because they say, yeah. okay, well, yeah, you can attack Ahsoka. Uh, are you willing to take half the damage back to you? And also, like, you're not going to deal a lot of damage to her? So it's mm-hmm. like, ah, yeah, I can do 10 damage. Well, actually, you can do 5, and then you'll take 5. So how does that sound? Uh, or you wound someone else, and the Soka goes, great, I'll go ahead and heal, and then I'm going to move or attack. And maybe I'll wound you, and you won't be scoring, or I'll push someone off of their point. So in terms of, like, outside of your activation, getting to do stuff, like, Ahsoka is a just a brutal figure to be dealing with. So... I think any combination of you're taking Dooku, Obi-2, Vader, Maul, or Soka, if they're, like, any combination of those as your primaries, like, Grievous is fantastic as a, like, a, a single damage figure who just comes in and dominates, but he doesn't really play into that out of activation as much, out of, no. out of turn. Um, so I think any of those are going to be, you know, depending on your play style, like, any of those are going to be super strong for you. Yeah, Talzin um, was a new one that kind of kind of do that. Whereas, yeah, you kind of have these like retaliatory primaries that yeah. can really mess with your opponent's scoring. I I think the counterplay to that is making sure that these characters that have out of turn movement are pinned or strained. If you have access to those, you want these tar- those characters to be your targets for these abilities. Yeah. Um. You, and I think even if you're the um, person trying to deny your opponent scoring points on their turn, you want to still you want to put these pinned and strains on their characters that are going to move, not on their activations. Like again, like the Magna Guards who will move when you wound stuff, or when Grievous moves, or when any of your other droid people move. Like you want those guys to be pinned all the time if you can. Absolutely. In order Absolutely. to and go ahead, I was say, and you want them to not have the force to use their movement abilities, right? Mm-hmm. 
and it's this interesting like the the giving your opponent bad decisions i think is the key to stopping their scoring i think that's and shatterpoint more so than any other game really seems to be any other miniatures game i should say that i've played really seems to be designed around um have like this idea of punishing effects as part of their design like we look at cad bane's new design like he's giving your opponents just bad choices like they get to pick which is a little you know but still like they have like here's another punishing effect i pay a force they have to choose to walk away from the point or get a bunch of bad conditions absolutely that it's just something interesting that i've seen shatterpoint really leans into these characters that offer bad decisions i did want to come back to another point that you were talking about though scott about momentum about uh you you know like the playing the catch-up strategy you know like you're you're behind you leave it on their side and you uh you're trying to like just leave it there to fill up your your track you were talking about like how that has like worked for you and how it's like most of the time a track a trap but how do you value like momentum versus a movement on a struggle track so i would say that a momentum is worth half of what a struggle movement is in the sense of you can never win with momentum yeah. but it does make winning a lot easier um, i don't know if i i'm like committed to that math or that exchange rate momentum is something that you're going to get that is it has no value in and of itself right yeah so you're not valuing it outside of your ability to make the game easier for you to win and it's also a bit of a timer on the game, right? If you had to get it all yeah. the way to one side, the game would take six hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I gain a lot of momentum with if in Vader Grievous because it wounds things a lot. That's just what it does. Yeah. Um, and that's certainly a big factor in why it is, as of yet with me, undefeated. I have never lost with Vader Grievous. Uh, that's oh. six games. But also I play with really competitive people who know the yeah. game very well. Um, and I actually haven't played a mirror yet, so um, it, it comes down to like the ability to gain all of that momentum is, is I think, a big part of why it's such a successful list. But certainly, it's not as valuable as as the struggle, um, just because you know the struggle is what really matters. Yeah, I think I have a, a relatively similar value on it, maybe may a little higher. Like I think that there is like I almost never want to like trade a momentum for a i mean like a movement of the struggle token for momentum but there are definitely times where i've felt that it's been right to like hey i can either score a point here or wound this character for the momentum and right um, but you're not really wounding them just for the momentum momentum yeah you're wounding fact, it's always for other reasons too yeah you're wounding them to either gain an effect or to prevent them from scoring or to make things harder for them to score points or like the momentum comes with a lot of other benefits, right? That's like, yeah, I, I, I definitely can concede that. I, I do agree though, that a struggle point is worth more. I think it's interesting. You talked about like you, Vader Grievous is a list that's built around scoring momentum. Uh, that's something that I've started to like, think about in my list building is how good is this at scoring momentum? Like how much do I need to win? Like in my Padme Mall game, um, I I won struggles two and three. I lost struggle one, and each time I had to get to seven 
I had to move the struggle trackle seven times. I wounded two units the entire game. Um, we only went through a deck and a half, so like only like ten total activations. But it was a uh, really an extra. Like looking at that list in the future, it's like okay, this is going to be a relatively low damage output list. How do I score without momentum? I think that it that's an interesting question to ask yourself in list building. Actually, I, I, I want to amend my answer because I just thought of a scenario. Like, I think momentum's value changes uh, in a given game in between different lists. Because I was just okay. thinking about this scenario that's actually really, really important, um, mm -hmm. which is exactly what uh, won me the first struggle in my game with Kenny. Uh, because, so let's say, like, what is what is, at least in my experience, uh, how many points from center does it take to get to your momentum, the where your momentum meets? Um, uh, and I found that there's usually in a game, at least a competitive game, four. Yeah, I think four is about right. And I there mo most of the time in, in the first struggle, you can expect to score three points uh, if you successfully maneuver on your turn. If you can get four fantastic it means you're probably doing really well um, mm -hmm. and your opponent's on the back foot but generally speaking in a competitive game um you've got your dedicated point in the back they've got their dedicated point in the back uh and you're competing over three points in the middle generally speaking two of them are secure for you two of those for your opponent and you're competing over one floating point that's going to change depending on who's activating and whatnot uh so um a lot of times if if you're only going to be scoring three points and you've got to get four spaces, then you need to get a momentum to close that gap. So it's like, yeah. hey, I need to I need to move here. I need to score three points and get a momentum, and that'll shut down the struggle and win it for me right now. And that mm -hmm. makes momentum really, really valuable because if you lose that, if you don't do that, then your opponent has a chance to recover yeah. and, and take it all back from you. Um, and what if they would you? And, and in my game with Kenny, it came down to he needed, it was that exact scenario. It's like, hey, you need to score three points and wound someone to, or, you know, gain a momentum in order to win the struggle. And he couldn't wound. And mm -hmm. he got close and he got seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 health damage, yeah. you know, done. But he couldn't pull that off. And so that gave me the opportunity to come back. And you know, take take the points back and win. Mm -hmm. And so I think it really depends on the time because, like, momentum at the beginning of the game when you've got ten points away from the center is not nearly as important, right? Because right. it's like nobody's getting nobody's scoring up yeah. there. But like, towards the end of the game, and as we found, eighty to ninety percent of games are are won by the person who wins struggle one, which is probably when momentum is most important. I, I I don't think that stacks right. That's that's right. I think it was that's just that one podcast. My I have interest, some interesting thoughts about that because my my personal stats for that are very very different. So interesting because I have never yeah. seen the loser. I've heard about people who've had it, but like anecdotally for us, like obviously we don't have data for it. So you know, yeah. grain of salt. That's my experience. I have mm -hmm. never ever played in a game where the winner of struggle one didn't win the whole game. In all of my games, which is admittedly maybe twenty, like maybe twenty okay. games of Shatterpoint. Mm 
So that's a hundred percent for me in a sample size of 20. I think Kenny has won one game of all his games where he didn't win the first and he won the second two. Um, so to me, they say 80 or 90% and I believe them. Yeah. Um, I also saw a post on the AMG Shatterpoint um, Facebook group where someone talked about that same experience of just like, yeah, 80 to 90% of our games is just one. They were kind of complaining about how like struggle two and three is just not as fun as struggle okay. one for different reasons, which I think is true. Uh, I think struggle two, I think, I think the catch up mechanic of like the person who lost the last struggle gets to just pick. Um, I think that a lot of it, most of the times it became the situation where like, you're kind of guaranteed to win. Like, unless you're really losing, unless yeah. you really are like in a disadvantage. Um, I, I think it just really, uh, disadvantages you, uh, if your opponent just gets to pick all that. Um, so I, I don't know, speak to your, like, like what percentage roughly you think, like how often you've won struggle two and three and lost one or your opponents have. Yeah. So, um, I think my, my, I've actually, I think all my losses have come after I've lost struggle one. I don't think, um, and I think I have, like my experience has been very different from, from that. Like, um, I mean, all my losses have come after I've won Struggle 1, and I've won a lot of games where I've lost Struggle 1. Um, Interesting. In playing a, a lot of games against uh, Curtis's Vader Grievous list, that list is very good at taking Struggle 1, and I've been been able to, to pull it back. I think, for me, Struggle 3 is my favorite to play. I find Struggle 3 is usually a very tense, very edge-of-the-seat. I, I think those maps, those layouts, tend to be a little more... They seem to be just so different from the struggle two maps that everyone's kind of out of position. See, and I, I've not had that experience. I've, I've, yeah. I feel like struggle three for me, but I won't struggle one is a cakewalk. It's mm, super interesting because yeah. I know I'm gonna, unless like I've won struggle, like struggles one and two, like I've definitely yeah. done that before plenty of times, especially with Vader Grievous, because it just real, especially if you like really hammered your opponent hard. Yeah. But, like, there's just so many times where, like, you can just set up. I think the missions are a little too predictable right now. Like, mm. I, I generally understand, like, it's going to be, these are the points I should care about, you know. And there is, like, some variability with the dice, which I don't know how I feel about. But um, I found Struggle 3 to just be super easy to win. Um, Interesting. If I've, won, if I've won Struggle 1. If I won Struggle 2, Struggle 3 is a nightmare. Unless I like, yeah. I get lucky and my opponent gets a draw of a card that sucks for them, but it's just not the experience that I've had. And, and maybe this is a list difference. Maybe some lists are just like, yeah, if you win struggle one, like you're great. And other lists yeah. are like, oh no, we can win struggle two and three. Like the way that Matt talks about the way he should pilot Mace Pawns and Obi Rex, kind of sounds like it's a list that could be good at winning struggles two and three. Yeah. I feel like Padme Mall is going to kind of play the same way. It's a struggles two and three list. Yeah, but but I mean, just even outside of anecdotes, because obviously, you know, I would say that there's a little bit more anecdotal evidence for the 80 or 90 percent than yep, for that. But obviously your experience is, is valid and indicative of something. But just even just if we think about it, like it, with no evidence, just statistically, 
the person who wins struggle one is just always more likely to win the whole game because they have two opportunities to win, right? They only have to get lucky once yeah. and, you're, and their opponents get lucky twice. Yep. No, that, that that's very valid. And there should be a statistical difference between the winner. I think, again, as I said, a lot of my experience is like, and I, I'm definitely the outlier from what I've heard talking to lots of people. But uh, yeah. 90 still seems really high to me. I mean, I'd be interested if um, Longshanks ever starts keeping data on that. Well, we see. should definitely when we have turn. So we're hoping to, you know, I'm, Kenny could edit this section out if he's like, I don't want to bring this up on the podcast. But we're hoping to, like, put something together for LVO. LVO has uh, this year uh, in January, for anyone who wants to attend, the Las Vegas Open. Um, has like an after hour Shatterpoint event. It's like a little thing. And we're like, hey, we'd like to do like a legit tournament. We think that'd be cool. And they're like, great. If you can bring terrain and you can run it and TO it and do all that jazz, then like, sure. So we're trying to put something together. And so that would be a situation where I would definitely, I think for the, the scoring sheets, I would say like who won struggle one, two, three. And we yep. could actually track that data. And obviously, you know, that's one tournament at, at one location, but it, it would be a good, I think, tracking that data would be important because functionally it's actually one of my criticisms of the game because I don't find struggle two and three that compelling for this reason Mm -hmm. Uh, because they feel so lopsided that I'm like, why not just play one struggle? Because that's Mm -hmm. where I feel like the tension of the game is um, or it should be. And it's also like longer than struggles two and three combined usually because they're just a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, you know, I would think that if if the eighty or ninety percent is true, that's probably something AMG wants to do something about. Maybe tweak something yeah. so that struggles two and three are not quite so lopsided. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be super interested to see how that how that plays out with that data there at at OVO and everything. Moving on from that, because I'm sure we'll. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with momentum, or shall we jump into uh, a point shatter point about some some new figures? Let's 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 jump into point shatter point. And go ahead, uh, you you pick one of these, Scott, and I will defend the other one. Padme or Cad? Who will have a bigger impact on the meta and the game as a whole? So uh, I would never deprive you of the ability to speak well of uh, of Padme. So I will choose Cad Bane. Okay. Uh, as to who will have, and I I feel like I have a, a pretty good argument for it. So. Yeah, so um, I think I think Padme is going to become a staple of the Galactic Republic faction because I think she offers an kind of an unprecedented way for them to score points, especially in a faction that is relatively weak defensively. She does two things that help them score points. One is she offers a ton of mobility. Um, she herself has. She can, if you want, you can advance her and dash her and then use your move for you move move action to advance, focus to dash, you can spend a force to advance her, or you can advance um, any other Galactic Republic units. You just pick a unit and advance them. Additionally, she allows a faction that spends a lot of time wounded to score while wounded, as long as she's alive. Which is going to be, I think, a major difference for these squishy clones that allowing you to hold a point while your characters are like out of the game will force other players to send attacks into your already wounded figures to shove them off points. And 
um, I think it's that's just going to change the way that Galactic Republicists play and change the way people have to think about playing against them, and that she will become one of the primary pieces of the faction. Fair, fair. That that is an interesting point. I will argue that Cad Bane will not be a center point of a faction because he's way more flexible and fits in a lot more places. Um, so Padme, I don't disagree that she will become a center point of the Galactic Republic, but the Galactic Republic sucks. <laughs> and so in terms of impact on the game, you're essentially saying like, yeah, I've got this old beat up Toyota Tercel, but I got new wheels for it and new tires. And it's like, that's great. It's not a great car. You kind of need to get a new car, but yeah. I mean, let's think about like what Cad Bane is doing, right? So Cad yeah. Bane is an interesting primary. He's got nine SP, right? So there's like mm-hmm. a lot of flexibility, right? You've got someone like Vader or, you know, like a, a, someone with, or Mace, right? With like seven SP, six SP, right? So their list building's kind of limited, right? You're taking mm-hmm. weaker stuff or you're taking like, you just don't have the same flexibility. Nine SP, sky's the limit, right? Yeah. Like you've got a lot of flexibility with list building there. He's only bringing two force, but oh, wait, what's this? He has force recovery? He has the ability to be one or two force, like w- when wounding people, and and that synergizes with someone else who's a bounty hunter, which is Django Fett. So I take Cad Bane with Django Fett, and I can recover up to four force with one attack. That synergy is stupid. It's stupid powerful. So I can pair that with a lot of really force hungry lists, like. The thing is, is that Cad Bane is going to make an impact because the Separatists are just better than the Galactic Republic because their force economy is so much better. That And, and you know, Cad Bane also, like, let's think about this, right? So he's got rocket boots, nothing to write home about. It's a it's a jump, great. Lots of people have jump for, for a force, but jump is better than dash, yep. right? Just objectively. Same space, but you got vertical movement. Yep. No one gets between me and my job. So just kind of like, hey, we're just going to deal free damage to people or I'm going to move my person up to score like, and be within four of someone. So, and then I'll damage them. Right. We've got, oh. how about you step aside, which makes says like, Hey, um, do you want to be strained and exposed or do you want to just be disarmed and get off that objective? Which uh-huh. is like the ability to give <laughs> conditions outside of attacks is nasty especially when strain is one of them. Also, that sets you up because it's exposed. They say, hey, I'll expose you, and then I'm going to shoot you. And then I'll just, and you're not going to get that point anyway. I'm going to wound you, take that point from you, and all you really get to leave with is a strain. So I hope you I hope you can recover that strain when you, when you flip, because I'm getting that point, right? So that's nasty. And then, like, if we look at his... Um, his two sides, like his damage profile is super solid. He's got five damage with three successes, right on one side, six damage on the other. He's rolling eight dice ranged for his more offensive side, seven dice melee and ranged on his other side, six defense, uh, for most of his his sides, five defense on the other. Uh, and and here's what I'll highlight: his offensive stuff. I think anything with a with an expertise that gives you crits is just, is just objectively really good. Um, mm-hmm. mo- 
my experience in this game is that most of the time you're not getting hits through. Most of the time, the number of hits you roll is going to be few, equal to or less than the number of blocks they roll. So what's getting yep. through is generally criticals. So criticals yep. are just, that's why Vader and Grievous are so good. You get one precision and, or actually for whatever they're called, um, and Vader gets two crits, right? Yep. So that's, that's just really powerful. Um, yep. One thing that is also powerful is when one die can count for two symbols. And that's what Cad Bane has. Uh, on his needs no introduction side, one expertise is two blocks. Three is two blocks, a heal, and a jump. And five is two blocks, crit to a fail, heal, and jump. Which movement on your defensive side is another thing that we based, that we went going uh, going back to our earlier talking point allows you to disrupt your opponent's scoring on their turn. So in my mind, Cad Bane is going to just blow the water out of Padme. Because he just, he does all this nasty stuff. He gives you tons of synergy. And offensively and defensively, he's pretty solid. He's not, like, amazing. He's not going to be an Anakin, a Vader, a Grievous, a Maul. But he's certainly going to be able to kill figures. He's certainly going to be able to make an impact on the board. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I think that's, that's all true, that Cad Bane is going to be, like, a very impactful figure. And that he... He splashes a lot of places. My guess, actually, with Padme, and this is, I guess, perhaps a little bit out of the scope of our discussion here, but her with Sabe and the Handmaidens is going to be a good enough and self-contained enough synergy squad that you can bring it outside of Galactic Republic as part of a premiere list, and it'll be yeah. a very interesting and useful tool. Because yeah. you know, they have... Padme hits hard. Because she gets sharpshooter two on a fo- like focus gives her three dice, and even though she her max damage isn't like a beta max damage, she can she can get her full tree. She can absolutely do that with enough dice that she can get there. She gets a lot of like potential. That I think of all the Galactic Republic units, she is the most splashable of all the primaries. Even more so than Anakin, based on our earlier conversation. I think even I think in a premiere list even more so than than Anakin with with the Anakin is more splashable in the fact that he doesn't have to have a, a certain secondary and support whereas the Padme squad is more splashable I should say yeah whereas Anakin's more splashable figure but her squad is a more splashable squad but it doesn't need yeah. to be Galactic Republic yeah that that makes sense I think. I think Padme will certainly make a splash in the game. I think we'll see Padme. I think that, as you said, she will become a staple of Galactic Republic. I, I think I think Padme will be an interesting an interesting figure. I think the Galactic Republic just needs more help, and I'm confident based off of AMG's history with at least how they've treated Marvel Crisis Protocol that we'll see some some changes to some cards, particularly Galactic Republic, um, yeah. just to see kind of how they how they fix them. I mean, they, they've released a lot of figures for them. I think Mace will make a big difference. Mace seems yeah. pretty good. So hopefully, you know, we'll see some Mace Padme lists that will, 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 will do some, do some good stuff. Yeah. Mace Padme seems great. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening, everyone. We chat a lot about a bunch of different stuff. We do a lot of list building. If you're local in Utah, come. There's a bunch of events. I'm sure Kenny will announce them. If you're local in Pennsylvania in State College, 
we have an event being held September 3rd at Igar Games, so show up to that. Alright, that's the end of episode 12. Sorry for the slightly awkward ending. There was just like a, a, a mishap in the uploading with respect to their their conclusion so i'm just closing it out to tell everyone that we love you all please rate and review the podcast respond to the poll question and join the slack and have a ton of fun with us also please let me know if you're going to be able to bring terrain for lvo thanks so much everyone have a great day